0: Block
1: Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to franchise interviews on Block Talk Radio, where we're asking the franchise who owns one. I'm your host Marty McDermott with my co-host Don Johnson. And if you've ever dreamed about owning your own business, then you've come to the right place. Today we have a great show. We're meeting with the president and CEO Gary Okigraso of the Desert Moon franchise opportunity. And Desert Moon is the East Coast original fresh, fresh Mexican grill franchise. Desert Moon is the fresh, healthful alternative to fast food since 1992. And at Desert Moon, it's all about the food. Fresh ingredients, big flavor, made-to-order, zero trans fat, high fiber, low fat, with gluten-free, and key organic items. Their modified table service is set in a fun, fast, and casual environment. And that's coming up in Segment 2 of Franchise Interviews on Blog Talk Radio. Our first segment today is being brought to you by Franchise Interviews LLC, and Franchise Interviews gives an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews, as well as get inside tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show on Blog Talk Radio, where each week you get to hear new interviews with franchisors, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and franchise attorneys. At our monthly franchise newsletter, which is a must-read for anyone looking to buy a franchise. And Don, welcome back to another edition of Franchise Interviews on Blog Talk Radio, February 21st, 2008. It's a cold one out there today, isn't it, my friend?
0: Yeah, typical February-type day here in the East.
1: Looking forward to March.
0: Definitely. Get you know. the springs right around the corner.
1: Yeah, baseball season,
0: right? Yeah, got spring training going on. That's always pretty exciting.
1: Absolutely. And I know you just got back from Florida, didn't you? So it must be tough to... Uh, you know, yeah, I, I was in Miami several weeks ago, and you were in Orlando. Uh, yeah, just
0: right after you, I was down there at the uh, the International Franchise Association, put on a great franchise show.
1: You said it was good this year, right? I guess compared to other years, I think you liked this one a little better this year.
0: Yeah, this is interesting. As opposed, to a lot of the franchise shows that we uh, mention on the show, the ones that we exhibit at, this one is were. Uh, Different suppliers and vendors to the franchise industry are actually exhibiting. The franchisors are at meetings, they're at conferences, so there's hundreds of franchisors and just a lot of people just in the franchise industry in general are all down there. And they just put on a great show, uh, the the IFA. They they really give the uh, the franchisors a lot of incentive to come into the uh, exhibiting hall. Right. All kinds absolutely. of food and raffles and you games that, yeah. and stuff going on. It's really and it's you know, it's always nice seeing our clients, customers. We were there exhibiting as Diamond Financial Services of course and as well as right. promoting this show. Uh absolutely. so it was just a good time.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. And then we got the show uh coming up in Washington, not that far, right? I guess that's in May or uh May or June this year. I, I don't even remember.
0: Well well the D C the I F E show is coming I, up in I, April. I, okay. It's right around yeah. the corner, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be here soon, so that's always yeah. a great show. It's that always nice fun, uh, yeah. seeing friends and everybody.
1: Absolutely. But
0: the IFA show was pretty, you know, they had Colin Powell as a guest speaker.
1: Oh, did they really? Oh, you didn't tell me that.
0: Yeah. Oh, so uh, Did you
1: get to see him? Or? No, I didn't actually
0: get to hear it, but um, I understand it was pretty impressive. He has a real good sense of humor.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: And, uh... Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's a big, you know, a real big thing.
1: Right, right. That's great. Well, or last showdown, we met with a uh, very special guest, uh, Dan Rowe of France Smart. And for over half a decade, the France Smart brand has stood as a symbol for quality, innovation, and success. Uh, some of the opportunities that France Smart works with are Chicken Dijon Franchise Opportunity, City Walk, uh, Elevation Burger, Marvelous Market, Mr. Greek, Prime Pubs, Rockin' Baja Lobster, Candelas, uh, Vapiano franchise opportunity, Z Pizza and I know Dan was mentioning that they recently took on a new one last week as well. So, I thought it was a great and very informative show. Do you have any thoughts on last week?
0: Yeah, I mean it, I mean they're just a nationally known company France Smart. smarts, the major franchise consulting, franchise or services, they really right. do a lot and just interesting all their concepts are food and uh, they, right. they they also have Furkin uh, pubs. That's
1: right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Birkin, would
0: you Yeah, he really knows franchising, obviously. he was a great guest. And uh...
1: He does. He was a franchisee at one time. I think that's how he actually got his start uh, in franchising. But, you know, he was mentioning um, you know, France Smart is a portfolio of emerging brands and they're not a franchise broker, Don. I think some people might confuse them with being a franchise broker. They're much more than that. They, um, France Smart, invest in the brand and what they do is they make it better. Right. Um, and he also mentioned that they do a lot of strategic marketing planning for the uh, franchisee. Um, they help franchisees with their business planning, help them find uh, the best uh, real estate, uh, which you know we've spent a lot of time on the show talking about how yeah. difficult that task can actually be. And uh, also train um, uh, their employees or their franchisees, I should say, on how to hire employees, right. which is also difficult as well, isn't it?
0: Yep. And yeah, I think it's interesting how they take on a concept that they feel has a lot of potential and just maybe needs a company like theirs to point them in the right direction and really grow it. And I forget the number he gave that I think each of these opportunities, he feels uh, could each have about a thousand locations nationwide. Number, I think yeah. that's the goal.
1: And I think he got that from like using like uh, we're very familiar in this part of the country like TGI Fridays I think has a thousand units right. in the United States anyway. Um, Benagin's you know places like that you know so that's the goal. And I believe he's pretty selective as far as you know what franchises they're actually going to take on, you know, and become clients. But they specialize in selling them. Um, he was mentioning the like large um, multi-unit deals. You know they're not looking for like that single-unit deal. Right, you know where somebody's just looking for a job. These are probably people who are looking to make more. I would say more money uh, than just a job, actually.
0: Right. Yeah, it's definitely a little above average type investor who's coming in and signing a multi.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Uh, multi restaurant type deal.
1: Yeah, and he gave some great stories, too. He mentioned um, Five Guy Burgers. Uh, He took them from, like, they were like a mom-and-pop operation. I think it was the mother the father, and there was, like, five sons or something like that. And I think they had, like, about five units and uh, grew them uh, to about 200 units. You know, he's mentioning, too, like, right now what's going on in the industry. And you know this, Don, is, you know, over the last six months there's been a shift from, like, a landlord market to a tenant market, you know, so right. that's, that's a real opportunity, I think, because he's in that restaurant business, and, and I'm glad we're having Gary on the show today, you know, he'll talk, I'm sure location is just as important to him, um, right. how difficult it is to sometimes just get that location, so I think right now is, is an advantage to a prospective franchisee as far as getting a location today versus maybe three, four years ago.
0: Yep, and it's so pivotal in the whole process, Not, but I only find a strong uh, location, but to have the right terms on that lease.
1: Sure, absolutely. I guess now you know you have a lot more negotiation power. Right. And uh, you know, location is 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 so critical, especially in this type of business. You know, you really want to be.
0: Uh, right. A couple of shows ago, we went over some tips on negotiating with a landlord.
1: Sure, absolutely. And but I well, know, we'll have
0: to maybe bring that up again in a you know another few weeks and you maybe go over that again.
1: Absolutely. So I just thought it was a great show. You know, so if. You didn't hear the show for our listeners today. You know, you can go back to last week and go to our show page on Franchise Interviews on Block Talk Radio. You can go to FranchiseInterviews.com and right on our homepage, you can actually click right. and uh, listen to the show right online, you know. So, uh, but great show. I think we're going to have to have him back because I suspect that France Smart is going to grow significantly right. over the next uh, year. I mean, you and I have been following them for a while now, and I know you've actually financed some of their franchises as well. Yeah, working a little
0: more closely with the company now, yeah. Hopefully we'll get, you know, busier, and uh, it's probably going to be the case with so many concepts they have.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So what do we got going on today, Don, and over the next uh, week or so?
0: Yeah, today we're meeting with the president and CEO, Gary Okigrasso, of the Desert Moon Franchise Opportunity.
1: Great. Desert Moon is the
0: East Coast original fresh Mexican grill restaurant. Uh, They offer a fresh... Helpful alternative to fast food. They've been around since 1992. Next week, Marty, we're welcoming back our friend and legend, Michael Gerber.
1: That's great, isn't it? It's just, uh, I'm really excited about that because, you know, as as you know, you're going to talk about, you know, Michael's new book.
0: Right, right, he can, uh, which is called Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. That's right. I think it's going to be released just next week, probably around the time we're going to be interviewing Michael. I think Michael. the following
1: week it's being released, Yeah. so it's nice to have Michael on the show you know, before the book actually comes out, you know, I think it's right. fantastic, so really exciting.
0: You know, a quote from him is, a business without a dream is like a life without a purpose.
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, and you and I, I mean, we were fortunate enough, Don, we uh, we got the, uh, the manuscripts of the book. You know, Michael's people were kind enough to send it to us, you know, so right. it's, um, you know, and I told you I started reading it, you know, and uh, I-, I couldn't put it down once I started reading it. It's just... It's it's different from the E Myth. I mean, the E Myth is just such a successful book. This right. is a little different, you know. Um, uh, it, it's very motivational, you know. After, right. after you read the book, you know, Michael gets into dreaming and all that other stuff. And you know, you and I are going to have to attend one of his uh, in the dreaming room sessions, which is out in San Diego. Uh, right. I'll talk to Michael about that, you know, and get out there and. Uh, and for people a- not
0: familiar with them. Uh... He's a best-selling author, international small business guru. He created the E-Myth Worldwide in 1977 to transform the way that small business owners grow their companies. Right. And now he's created In the Dreaming Room as a place where entrepreneurs and future entrepreneurs come to discover how to make their dreams a reality.
1: Absolutely. He says here, Michael's
0: dream, to inspire people to dream by awakening the entrepreneur within them. Michael's vision, to be the authority for helping dreamers everywhere create the small businesses they once could only imagine. Michael's purpose, to transform the lives of ordinary people by providing them with the thrill of creation while creating the means to generate their own and others' economic freedom. Michael's vision, to create a turnkey system for awakening the entrepreneur within every person who wishes to go into business for themselves while providing them with the support for doing it. And he's done it in Awakening the Entrepreneur Within. You're invited into the dreaming room.
1: Yeah, it It sounds like like a
0: great place. It really does.
1: (laughs) It's 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 interesting because when we had Michael on the show. I guess it was last year. I think I want to say it was like last March. Right. And he was pretty much just launching this new concept in the dreaming room. And I don't know if you remember he's just he's got such a great personality. You and I were talking to him and talking to him, asking him all these questions, you yeah. know, and and he's like he's like, I gotta go write the book, you know. It was just right. funny.
0: You and I motivated him.
1: Oh, well, there you go. You think that could have <laughs> happened? I think it was more his mom than anything else. Yeah. it's such a great story, you yeah. know, how his mom inspired him to uh do this great thing. You know, I mean, after achieving so much success with the E you know, you, you say, where do you go from there? But, uh.
0: He just I keeps going. I'm sure he'll do something again in a few years.
1: I sense that, yeah. I mean, here he is. I believe he's 70 years old now. And, uh. uh so I'm just looking forward to it. It it's just great to see him uh, he's just such an inspiration, you know, to so many people. In fact right. I, I remember uh just when I was speaking to Gary last week I know that he um he plugs the E Myth a lot, you know, and uh right. very common in franchising, you know, you hear all the time. Carol Mercurio, uh franchise broker, we've had her on the show a couple of times. I think she gives a copy of the E Myth to uh uh to all her uh new franchise. Prospect clients, yeah. yeah. I mean it just makes so much sense, you know. Um Yeah. So it's just great. You know, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun having Michael back. That's great. Well, you know, over the last year, Dan, we spoke about um, how many more franchisees and franchisors are giving back to the community. And um, this was an article, and I think Gary's actually associated uh, with this website. He introduced me to it, franchisemoneymaker.com. Uh, and there's an article on here talking about avoiding these seven business giving pitfalls. And the article is by Maggie F. Keenan. And I thought I would just kind of talk about some of these things. Um, When we had like a franchise on like, let's say like Yum Brands, you know, Yum Brands gives a lot back to their community. You know, I think they have something similar to like the Ronald McDonald House. Right. Um, So anyway, it says here, so here's my list of most common pitfalls businesses make with their charitable giving. Um, Avoid uh, sticking with pink because it's popular. Simply because a particular cause is popular is not the right reason to make it an area of focus for your giving. You have to clearly align your causes which uh, with what makes uh, your company stand for. You know, so I guess if you're like in like a, let's say like we had uh, several weeks ago, like that dog daycare franchise on, you know, I'm sure that they give a lot to like the ASPCA and organizations right. like that, you know. So it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Um, Avoid thinking your business is too small for a giving program. Uh, No business is too small for a giving program. I hear so often my business is too small. It's just me and I only give to a few charities. If you're you're in business and you give something, then you too can make a difference for your bottom line and uh, that causes you to give. Good point, yeah. Yeah, it is a good point. Avoid treating... like in a side project, it says this is a biggie and leads to your giving not making an impact on your business. Uh, avoid. It's a good way to get PR. All right. Uh, here's my take right. on this. If you want to get your name out there and get others to know about your business, then hire a public relations professional. That's so true. You right. know, I think some businesses they really do give for the wrong reason. They say, "Wow, maybe we'll get some press." You know, the yeah,
0: you really have to keep it separate. You know.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Two different animals. Um, avoid. Not talking with your financial advisor or your tax advisor. It says not all giving is considered a charitable deduction. So don't get stumped at the end of your year. If you find out um, that all of what you gave cannot be a deduction on your tax return, that's interesting. Um, Avoid giving a little to a lot. Don't feel obligated to spread your generosity. Uh, When you do this, several things happen. First, you don't get to convey your unique, compelling community involvement. And so your message kind of gets lost in an already overcrowded marketplace. And avoid forgetting to create a communication plan. Consumers hold companies to some standard of doing good, you know, and see that so much more today, you know, and it's, I think it's a, it gives franchisees a good feeling, you know, to kind of give back to their right. community, you know.
0: Uh, it's Murray, a good article because I've had companies uh... – you know charitable organizations call here right and like you know, feel guilty when you can't give something but you can only give so much but i thought uh you know everything was tax deductible so this is pretty interesting that it is interesting. not all i didn't is. know that
1: either. you know i was thinking everything was tax deductible you know but uh i guess maybe i don't know if it has to do with maybe non-profit organizations or something like that i guess again we'd have to talk to our accountants about that you know how that all works um, Right. But uh yeah, that is. It's just so I thought it was a great article and that came from um I believe it was franchise dot com. Um Right. So the
0: right. you know, the whole overview to the story is it's you know, just make sure you give but just you know, be careful in the process.
1: Sure, absolutely. And, you know, and it, it is important to give back to the community. You know? uh, right. you know, Christopher Reed had that great saying. He goes, when I do good things, I feel good. When I do bad things, I feel bad. You know? So it just it makes a lot of sense. It does, uh, I think, make your uh, employees feel better to give back and create right. a lot of goodwill in the community as well. You know? right. so, it's a really great article. And uh, I know you had a couple things that you wanted to announce as well.
0: Yeah, uh, as usual, we like to tell people uh, around the country about some franchise shows. Our friends at the Franchise and Business Opportunities Expo, two shows coming up I'll mention uh, next weekend in Denver, March 1st and 2nd. Right. It's having uh, a show, and then a little ways away, mid-March, March March 15th and 16th, uh, it's it's the New York, New Jersey Franchise Expo at the Meadowlands Expo Center. I went to the show a couple years ago, it's in my neck of the woods. Any, uh, and anybody wants to get further information, times, and all that, can go to usfranchiseexpos.com. Oh, that's
1: interesting.
0: Uh, their toll-free number is 800-891-4859. Hmm. And, um, you know, as, as we get closer to the April IFE show, we'll start discussing that a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Also, here's something, uh, Marty, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Great American cookie company sold.
1: Yeah, I heard something about this.
0: The owner of Clothier, Bill Blass, ice cream chain, marble slab creamery, and shoemaker, the athlete's foot, has bought Atlanta-based Great American Cookie Company, Nexen Brands, that we've been speaking uh, about lately. They've been making some pretty large acquisitions. Right. They're headquartered in New York. Uh, they, they operate out of Atlanta. They bought this company um, from Mrs. Fields' famous brands for $93.7 million, Nexen said Tuesday. Uh, you know, Robert DeLoren, president chief executive of Nexen said Great American Cookies is a strong brand with an opportunity to grow. It was really underdeveloped. In our view, he said, I believe it was treated as a stepchild. Interesting. I guess he sees all kinds of potential with the company. Uh, right. Great American Cookie Company was founded in 1977 by local entrepreneur Michael Coles, who later made an unsuccessful bid for one of uh, Georgia U.S. Senate seats. Interesting.
1: Really?
0: Um, and uh, they talked about Great American sales last year were about $26 million, operating income of $13 million. Uh, it's just incredible how much you can make with even something like cookies. And I'm sure they have a few other things and drinks. Uh, the company has almost 300 stores, mostly in the U.S. So, Nexcent continues with their acquisitions. And, um, you know, my company has financed some of their, you know, ice cream
1: That's right. I remember uh, mentioning that, yeah.
0: franchises. Here's something, Marty Wall Street Journal um, by Ray Flandes. A look at high performing franchises. Food's grip loosens as diverse concepts pop up and do well. It starts out, it looks like franchising is no longer dominated by a single sector. The fast food industry's power grip on the franchising industry is slowly loosening as industries serving the consumer and residential markets are expanding rapidly and performing well financially, according to the Wall Street Journal's list of 25 franchise high performers. The big performers are are a diverse bunch, including a dance studio, senior care facility, a veterinary hospital, and a moving company. In fact, there are now more than 230 lines of businesses that do franchising, according to FranData, wow. out of Arlington, Virginia, who we've, um, you know, uh, have closely looked at their information. We get a lot of information through Fran Data.
1: Yeah, they're great at providing uh, information on the franchise industry. And, and 230 lines, that's a lot, Don. That's a big right. since from even when we started doing the show. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, so it just goes to show you. I mean, I don't know if you remember when we had uh, Nancy on um, – Several weeks ago, actually, from Franchise Times, um, uh, talking about uh, the porta potty franchise. I, I still can't get that out of my head. You said, <laughs> God, you know? yeah. just all these different things, you know. Right. Uh, so many different industries getting into this whole franchise.
0: Concept. Yeah. A couple of their high performers, they mentioned Abbey Carpet and Floor, Arthur Murray Dance Studios. Right. Uh, Bandfield, which is a pet hospital, Bojangle famous chicken, Culver's, Frozen Custard. Dale Carnegie Training, Denny's, Friendlies, Homestead Senior Care, Jimmy John's Restaurant, The Maids International, Wow, uh, Nathan's Famous Hot Dogs. Can't tell you how many hot dogs I've bought from them over the oh, years. Oh,
1: absolutely! I know. You know, and and these are you know companies that we're going to have on the show over the next year. You know, definitely I mean, it's, it's Surf just, Pro. I've
0: been financing them for a while. Stanley Steamer. We we've used them uh, at, at my residence.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these guys are all on the uh, waiting list. You know, to come on the show. So I mean, it's right. uh, it's fantastic.
0: It says, in the hottest growth by both unit market share and by fastest growing industries as measured by new units is taking place in the, uh, the services industry such as health and fitness, security, and, and consumer franchises. Right. says, banking on baby boomers, Homestead Senior Care, the franchise on the list with the highest average net income growth, has benefited from the rise of the elderly care industry and is poised to serve a large demographic baby boomers. The trend is still growing in the senior market. Senior care market says Lori Kaiser Block, president of franchise, a franchise broker out of Minnesota. People still need some help with their parents and need somebody to help them within their home and living outside their homes uh, or living with assisted services. Uh, we just did a show a few weeks ago uh, with Visiting Angels. Uh, That's it was right. a very a show, good show you know, yeah. talking about all that. Absolutely. Experience also seems to be a boon for franchisers. Most of the companies on the list, 23 out of 25, have been franchising for at least 10 years. Uh, for instance, net income at Arthur Murray International, uh, Inc.'s 149 Arthur Murray Dance Studios rose an average of 84% over the past three years. The Coral Gables Florida company has been teaching people how to ballroom dance since 1912, has been franchising since 1939.
1: Really? 1939? Yeah, that's wow, what they have in here. That? That's interesting. Wow, we're going to have to get them on the show then. I didn't realize. Right. Because it makes them the
0: oldest franchise on the list. I think this is new information for us.
1: Yeah, remember? Remember we had um, when we had A and W, not A and uh, Young Brands, and they right. own A and W restaurants. I know they've been franchising for quite some time too. I think I don't know if it was back in the 1930s or something like that. It was pretty old, but I didn't realize that these guys were doing it for that long. That's yeah, that's incredible.
0: Says uh, really slower pace ahead in 2006. Nearly 3,000 established franchise brands expanded their unit totals by an average of four percent. And more than 300 companies began franchising for the first time, according to uh, International Franchise Association in Washington and FranData. But with with many predicting an economic slowdown and banks tightening their lending criteria, I know that firsthand, uh, the number of both new franchise units and new concepts could start to ebb. The pace of growth is going to slow, says Darrell Johnson, president of FranData, because banks are getting risk-averse. Consumer-focused businesses such as restaurants, lawn care, and handyman services and computer support could see some downturn this year. Customers start tightening their own wallets in response to cooling economic conditions. Uh, In particular, fast food and casual dining businesses, while still showing strength, with eight names on the list, are also facing pressure from wage and food cost increases. Uh, Maybe we can speak to Gary about that a little bit. For low operating costs, several food franchises already uh, are shuttering some locations, uh, the food market place is getting crowded," uh, says Mark uh, Kidenap, managing partner, a franchise broker, KRA Franchising LLC in Scottsdale, Arizona. There are so many choices in franchising today that people will start in the food area, but then drift toward a lot of other opportunities and segments in franchising. And that's true because we've had some franchise consultants on. People always look to food, and food is still the you know the big player. And there's so many great concepts, uh, you know, like Desert. Moon. Oh, sure. Um,
1: Absolutely. But,
0: you know, uh, there's a lot of other concepts, a lot of other types of businesses people can get in now with franchising.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. I, mean, I always go back to, you know, when Carol had that great uh, quote when we had her on the show, you know, saying in her experience, you know, and she's in the Northeast franchise broker, um, how many people want to go into a Dunkin' Donuts simply because they like the product. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, she mentioned that you could buy a cup of coffee and a dozen donuts without buying the whole Yes, you know? And it's, it's 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 interesting, but well, it's all part
0: of the due diligence. You got to decide what you you know want to do and what's going to be the hours right. involved in that business. And there's just so much to consider when starting up a franchise. You really absolutely. have to make sure you're gonna. Well, you've always said it's like a marriage.
1: Sure, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, today we have a great showdown. We're meeting with the president and CEO. Uh, Gary Grasso of the Desert Moon Franchise Opportunity, and Desert Moon is the East Coast original fresh Mexican grill franchise. Uh, Desert Moon is the fresh, healthful alternative to fast food since 1992. Uh, Gary Grasso President and Chief Executive Officer, joined Desert Moon in 2000, and he began his franchising career in 1984, you'll find this interesting, Don, as a franchisee of Dunkin' Donuts of America. Um, In addition to operating a successful franchise location, Gary developed a wholesale baked goods business servicing Pathmark supermarkets and 83 other accounts. He served on the Dunkin' Donuts Franchise Advisory Council Gourmet Stores and initiated a brand development strategy, which led to the the development of opening 53 franchise units. In 1991, Mr. Oki Grasso found GPM Consulting, a franchise and brand development firm which successfully developed several national franchise brands. In 1994, working with the founders, he launched the Ranch One franchise system and grew into a chain of over 50 operating units. Mr. Oki Grasso is considered a franchising and branding expert and a leading franchise strategist. Uh, he's, invited, he's invited as a speaker to many regional franchise forums and is a board member and advisor for several emerging franchise brands.
2: Hey,
1: Gary, good morning. Welcome to the show.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for uh inviting me on today i've been uh listening in in the uh, first uh twenty minutes or so extremely informative Oh, good great great to hear you know you. the discussions uh, uh surrounding Michael Gerber and the great work that he's done over the years
1: yeah I know you're a fan of his too gary as well you know you mentioned like, when you and I spoke last time that uh you know big fan of the e so uh
2: Absolutely, we. uh, I'd like to consider myself a student of Michael Gerber's philosophy, and also uh, believe that uh, early on, when I was a franchisee of Dunkin' Donuts, as you had mentioned uh, in the introduction, and thank you for that great introduction, by the way. Thank you. um, My life as an entrepreneur really changed when I discovered Michael Gerber and began to really understand the concepts behind. Uh, running a small business and truly being an entrepreneur because I went from a franchisee slash employee. uh, I was running my business as an employee. Uh, I jumped from that to really understanding the various components of following my passion and dreaming and truly building a business, which is what launched ultimately my career in the franchising business as a franchisor and as a franchise consultant and brand development uh, consultant because I began to pull away from uh, simply focusing on the technical aspects of running a business. So I I guess you could say I'm a fan of Mr. Gerber's, yes. I can tell you. Same with myself, Gary. Hi, it's Don Johnson. I'm uh, actually reading the
0: E-Myth, you know, again.
2: uh,
0: (sighs) I mean, it's the type of book where you really should – you know give yourself a little refresher course and maybe read that book every few years uh.
2: you you couldn't be more right i i actually keep a copy of the cd version in my car as you might imagine i travel from time to time and i use my car a lot so i have the uh the cd version of the myth revisited uh in my cd player and i it's four discs so four of the six discs that my car allows me to load up, have the E-Myth in it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Cool. So, it,
0: so it sounds like you're definitely going to be listening in or uh, yeah, listening you're to have the definitely uh, Archive have to show next, next week,
1: Gary. Without
2: a doubt, so without a, a doubt. As,
1: as again, and, you know, I, I started reading his, his new book, Gary, and, uh, you know, if you love the E-Myth, I mean, this is just... Uh, uh, it, it, it's different, you know. It, it's one of those books where you really walk away uh, motivated and inspired. You know, it's uh, it's really exciting what Michael's doing now. So, well,
2: I heard you got an advance copy, so you'll I need did. to let
1: me in on how <laughs> I get on that inside track. Absolutely, yeah. He said he'd kill me if I passed it on to anyone. Else. <laughs> <laughs> but we always like to start off, Gary. Say, you know, where are you calling from today?
2: I'm actually in Danbury, Connecticut. I'm doing some restaurant visits uh, with uh, some investors later on in the day who we are looking uh, to partner up with here at Desert Moon as we really fill out our uh, funding needs to, to grow the company. So I'm I'm actually out at one of our restaurants in Danbury, Connecticut. All
0: right, great. Interesting. I see you have one in Howell, New Jersey. I'm just a couple towns away. I'm definitely going to be going there with my family in the next couple of weeks.
2: Well, I'll have to assume you're a regular customer then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, we actually have one in Pennsylvania
1: here, too, Gary. We have one in um, Exton, uh, yes. Pennsylvania, yes. which isn't that far from where I am, too. So, uh, Absolutely. Connie and I, you know, we're, we're planning on getting there uh, in the next several weeks, you know. So, right. Uh,
2: and, you know, that's been, that's been our focus and our strategy, certainly since the time that, you know, I uh, created the – the strategic approach to Desert Moon, um, really focusing on the East Coast where the fresh Mexican concepts have been underserved. And it's really an underpenetrated market, which may be bad for consumers because there's not a lot of places to get good fresh Mexican food, but it's great for franchisors and and business developers and entrepreneurs like myself and our franchisees because the opportunity to select great real estate and bring the concept uh, to the East Coast is is wide open. Uh, I don't know that I would be able to say the same if we were talking about pizzas or burger or I, or subs, uh, because essentially those types of concepts are saturated. So it's uh, it's a unique situation we're in.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, Connie and I, I mean, we love uh, Mexican food, and uh, it's just hard to find a place close by, you know. Yeah, so
2: yeah, yep. and, and the, you know, the interesting aspect about the cuisine, and I've obviously learned about the cuisine uh, since coming to the company in, in the year 2000. I was actually brought over here uh, after I had left uh, Ranch One, and I was I was brought here really with the sole purpose of creating the operating platform and putting the things necessary in place to create what I refer to as a scalable company ready for duplication, uh, really to, to build out our plan, which... Is about 480 stores at this point. That's what that's what we're looking to build out. But the the unique aspect uh, of fresh Mexican food is that, or the Mex- Mexican cuisine in general, is that because of the various regions in Mexico, be it up near the Texas border where you have Tex-Mex food, mm-hmm. or up in the Baja area near California, you have right. Baja-type food. When you're in the New Mexico, Arizona area, you have more Sonoran. Uh, type cuisine, and these cuisines are influenced uh, not only by the Spaniards, but these cuisines have been influenced by Native Americans. They were certainly influenced by the Anglicans, really all the settlers that came into that market. When you get into the coastal regions of Mexico, uh, certainly along the Gulf Coast, you have a lot of Caribbean influence. So Mexican cuisine, and I will say that my wife and my daughter, I'm not so sure they're, they're huge fans of Mexican cuisine any any longer, because I, I take them to every Mexican restaurant I can possibly find. <laughs> um, but for someone who loves Mexican cuisine, such as myself, uh, and even, I guess, for folks who simply like the cuisine, what you find is that there's a huge variety and a great history to it. And it's long overdue that what all the folks out in California have been enjoying for, for decades is now beginning to make some inroads, and we're planting some flags here on the East Coast, primarily in the Northeast.
0: Why? Why do you think, Gary, this hasn't happened sooner? You just think there hasn't been that, you know, uh, quality players like yourself really bringing something nice to people? Is
2: It's a great question. I, I think there's an evolution in in what we'll classify as ethnic cuisine. Uh, I'm of Italian heritage, and so certainly growing up in the New York area, I never was. Um, lacking for Italian restaurants or pizzerias or things that were uh, really created, companies that were storefronts that were created by immigrants in this part of the country. I think the same is true in California, where you have a lot of Mexican immigrants and Hispanic immigrants who are bringing their cultures and their flavors to that region of the country. Eventually, eventually as um, people, as immigrants spread across our nation, which has always been uh, the model. Uh, I think they take their cuisines with them. So it's, as I said, long overdue here on the East Coast, and I think it's just a natural evolution of how these cuisines develop and really become part of American culture. I agree. Right. Uh,
0: c- can you describe for us, Gary, a little bit the history of your company?
2: Sure. Sure. The company actually began in in 1991. Um, was started by a, a local restaurant tour in uh, Westchester County, New York, whose son had um, visited uh, Arizona. Went out to Scottsdale, Arizona, and discovered or was became familiar with the cuisine. At the time, it was really called southwestern cuisine. I, I'm not sure the nomenclature of fresh Mexican had been coined at that point. Came back to New York and explained to his dad. You know, you have to taste this food. It's great. It's a healthful approach to food. Things are made fresh to order, and yet it's fast. It's, it's like a fast food type cuisine, but yet it's nothing that most folks would believe or think or equate fast food with. Right. So his dad allowed him to take the chef from their fine dining restaurant in Westchester, New York, out to Arizona. They looked at the cuisine, so the concept, the desert moon, uh, menu is really chef-driven, was created by uh, a chef named Kevin Sullivan, who's a CIA grad. So this was not invented by chemists in a laboratory trying to come up with some concoction that, you know, how can we prepackage this and, and make it quick and easy. This is actually a chef-driven menu. And uh, they, they opened up uh, several, when I say they, the original family opened up several food court units, in the, uh, in the New York and Connecticut markets. And then in 1998, it caught the attention of a group of investors, Wall Street investors, who made an investment in the company and quickly made the decision that they wanted to take this young, family-owned, entrepreneurial-type company to a more professionally managed organization and create a franchising program around that. And they put a management team together um, myself included. I was, I was asked to be on that management team at that time. And my team uh, has essentially worked the last several years uh, on everything from decor and design of our facilities to the brand position, um, documenting menus, standards, operating procedures, uh, creating the supply chain, looking at the real estate um, uh, criterium, all the things that go along with the successful development of a franchise brand. And that takes us up pretty much to the to the present day, where now that myself and my team uh, have created this operating platform, it's a scalable concept. And uh, we've now gone to market looking to fund the program, to take our concept, which was originally uh, you know, a four unit concept when the team started. It's now a twenty unit concept. And we're looking to take it to a 450-unit concept. And we believe there's plenty of opportunity right here on the East Coast.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know,
0: I think so also, Gary. My wife and I over the years have always said, there's, you know, there's never any quality Mexican restaurants around. It's true. Just incredible. I know, uh, I mean, I've always been to Monmouth County. I know Long Branch, New Jersey has had a long-time quality Next I've the name offhand, you probably know of it. I'm sure you brought your family there. <laughs> I probably know of it and definitely won't mention it. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, I mean I think you know, you're right. As far as uh your goal on, on, on how many you'd like to see someday, I I think that's definitely attainable because uh, you know everybody else, you know that I know likes Mexican food but just don't have many quality restaurants around. Yeah, I agree absolutely. With that. And yeah. and
2: we've wrapped we've wrapped our concept around a complete corporate culture. It's not simply burritos and tacos. I think earlier uh, in the program, you, you were quoting an article. Uh, actually, Maggie, uh, I, I use Maggie's articles on my website, FranchiseMoneyMaker.com, uh, quite often. And uh, You know, what, what we do, and, and her article was about giving, and that is one part of running a business and giving back to the community and creating that goodwill. Uh, but we've wrapped our concept around a complete corporate culture that, that really lends respect not only to our guests and to the food, certainly to our team members. Uh, we're a green concept. We, we are always striving to uh, make sure that the fact that we're making money and supplying a product and a service to our guests doesn't uh, negatively impact the environment or impact it as little as possible on the negative side, and there's been great innovations with that. We always look to become... Uh, a better, more social, socially responsible corporation. So the, the the culture, the fun, the vitality, the energy that surrounds this food that we serve really creates a whole package that that really rolls over not uh, not only to the outside world in our brand positioning, but also to the guests that frequent our restaurants every day to our team members, our shareholders, and the people who will be involved with Desert Moon who we haven't met yet and that's that's always exciting knowing right. that we're going to be meeting folks who are going to get involved with us and we don't know anything about them at this point that's that's truly the adventure of it that's great
0: interesting well well said is, is there anything you wanted to add Gary to the uh, to the franchise system uh, you know describing Desert Moon
2: well You know, I think we we hear a lot of cliche um, statements uh, from folks in the franchising industry. Things like "be your own boss" and "simple operating system," and you know, just so much of it. And I think that what the franchisee or potential franchisee will find when they look at Desert Moon Fresh Mexican Grill, or really any solid, and I use the word "solid." Franchise. When I, when I use the word solid, I mean one that's taken the time to understand their business, that understands that their business is dynamic and not static. But as a franchisor, you must continually innovate. You must continually quantify. And uh, you, you, you need to have, as Michael Gerber talks about, the three aspects of the innovation and the, the management personnel and the technical people so that you can execute and know that your franchisees have a system that if they apply that system, the system they will run the system and the system will run the business. And when you look at Desert Moon and you look at the years of work that we've put in into it to I'll say perfect the system, although perfection we're always striving for perfection. Uh, I think Franchisees will find that, that Desert Moon really does offer a, uh, a unique, uh, challenging, and profitable, and 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 very very rewarding uh, opportunity. And uh, I could say that about a lot of franchisors, but since Desert Moon Fresh Mexican Grill is the one that I'm operating, I'll be talking about Desert Moon Fresh Mexican Grill. In addition to that, um, you know what I would tell uh, you know potential franchisees. Entrepreneurs or potential franchisors, who were really the market that my franchise consulting firm worked with. We worked primarily with franchisors, but I would uh, strongly recommend that they go and visit franchisemoneymaker.com because it's not uh, it's not an advertising-driven website. Um, so it's not dictated by the advertisers. It is uh, it is a website filled with information that is written by industry experts, writers on the topic, franchisors, franchisees. There's just a ton of what I'll refer to as very unbiased information up at franchisemoneymaker.com, and certainly folks can register and get a monthly newsletter from us all, so if they don't want to visit the site every day. Yeah, it's we- interesting, Gary. We should look to, uh, you
0: know, the show has a few website-related uh, um, websites, and, you know, we should maybe look to link and do stuff like that. I'm you know, definitely going to Check it out. Oh, it's a Absolutely. great website.
1: Yeah, it is, Gary. I mean, you can see we, we referenced it this morning, actually.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so no, but I, I, one. and I appreciate that, and that's part of. And again, I, you know, we we derive no income from that. We, I'm an advocate of franchising as as a as a business development tool. I I happen to think it's perhaps one of the greatest uh, business development tools. Ever, ever created. Um, I love that you can take a set of fundamentals and bolt it on to an operating model, and then develop that model um, into the hundreds or sometimes thousands of units that uh, that right. we see on the landscape every day of our lives. Yeah, well sir. And also
0: the fact that just really anybody can be successful running the business as long as they have the passion. And the work ethic, really.
2: And you know, that's a great point. I do. I do several seminars a year on the topic of franchising, and I, I'll tell you, I, I don't think, I don't think that uh... there isn't a meeting that goes by that someone in the audience doesn't raise their hand and ask me what I think, quote, the best franchise is.
0: I, I get I mean, that all the time. You know, myself, Gary, being in financing people always ask me. Same here.
2: Yeah, and you know first of all ultimately that's a money question and i'm not you know i'm one of those folks who believe if you chase money you won't get any um so you know my response over the years has always been the same it's not about quote the best franchise it's about really what is the best franchise for you what's right. your passion what do you love to do what do you uh, what are you good at because again you know quoting michael gerber once you get past that infancy stage where you are the technician or is, we say in our business, the chief cook and bottle wash, you then need to expand your business by getting, getting started on the work of an entrepreneur and bringing the technicians and the managers in to work with you on your business. So to simply ask what's the best franchise um, is to simply say what's the best automobile. I guess the, I guess the issue is what's the criterion? What are you looking for? What are you good at? What's your background? And most importantly, what are you passionate about? If right. you if you're not passionate about building a business, then um, chances are you'll get, exact, you'll get exactly what you may uh, be passionate or not passionate about. And in the case of a lack of passion, that would be nothing.
0: When people ask that to me, Gary, I say there's thousands of franchises. How the heck do
2: I know? <laughs> there it go. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a very, um, for, for experienced franchisees, and I think you alluded earlier in in the top of the show regarding uh, some of the work that uh, my friend Dan Rowe at Fransmart is doing. You know, there are experienced franchisees, certainly the type that Desert Moon is seeking, who have background in the food industry, who understand the business model of franchising, have an organization, and they take a system like Desert Moon Fresh Mexican Grill and they plug it into their already existing system. And that's one type of franchisee. And then you have another type of franchisee who is the first-time business owner, the entrepreneur, the person who is dreaming of, of operating their own business and developing a business, whose approach is extremely different. Their approach is much more from a technical aspect, much more local. In the beginning, um, many of them work, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week. Essentially, they, they buy themselves a job. And I don't mean that in a negative way, because in the beginning, for the first time business owner, if they're involved in a business that they're unfamiliar with, that's a great way to learn the business um and then they you know and then they develop from there. So there are different types of franchisees as well as different types of franchise companies and business models. so I'm convinced there's a good fit for everyone and anyone out there who wants to pursue um, the use of franchising as a development tool for themselves either as a franchisee or a small business owner that wants to duplicate their business but doesn't want to open up a bunch of company stores they want to use franchising as a as a tool there're plenty of opportunities out there
0: it sounds like desert moon will go in either direction in getting a new franchisee either that already existing business owner experience or the first time owner
2: right Absolutely, we uh, we obviously uh, are cautious uh, about who we bring in as franchisees. Um, if you if you look at the what I refer to as the the three-legged stool of a successful franchise operation, uh, the three legs are the concept, the operator, and the location. Um, the first piece, the concept, I'm confident. Uh, regarding Desert Moon Fresh Mexican Grill, because we're a 16, 17-year-old company with a, a long operating history of success. Right. Location is something that is always uh, is, is is always up for grabs with potential franchisees because it's elusive in the sense that you need to understand what makes your operation work. So uh, locations look different to different types of operation, but the other piece, the operator, who is the franchisee. That's key. Um, even in a great location with a great uh, concept, the wrong franchisee could fail
1: okay. because
2: the franchisee is the pulse, is the heart of the business. The concept may be the brains. The location may be the legs, if you will, how it stands, but the franchisee is the, is the heart of the business. And what the franchisee takes to the business, uh, really will uh, set the tone. That's interesting. So we're very careful about franchisees, whether they're experienced or first time uh, business owners. That's interesting. What do you look for in a location, Gary, speaking of location? Well, for us, um, we have a very flexible footprint. The concept grew up in uh, mall based food court units, so we're real good at non traditional locations. As a matter of fact, we're mm-hmm. currently negotiating some contracts with large master concessionaires to do some college campus locations and some airport locations. But one of the first decisions my team made um, early on was to take the concept from the mall-based units, which, quite honestly, people love our product, and they loved our product. But from a marketing point of view we were simply the Mexican option by default in a a food court. You've got pizza, burgers, subs, salads, Mexican. So there wasn't a lot of uh, marketing uh, effort and location strategy placed behind the concept. Going out on the street is a completely different thing. We needed to become very, very aware of where our guests come from, what their travel time uh, is like, why they're using us, how we create occasions to use, how we market, what is the right size, uh, who are the right co-tenants, should it be a freestanding building, should it be an end cap, should it be an inline unit. So when when we gathered all that information and looked at all of that information, and we, you know, we're constantly improving on that. As a matter of fact, we're currently discussing some tools with a company called GeoView that does trade area mapping, definition, saturation models, a great company. Uh, as a matter of fact, it might be interesting to have uh, one of the folks in that company on because they work uh, not exclusively with franchisors, but many of their clients are franchisors um, because the the art slash science uh, of location is critical to everyone. For us, yeah.
1: um,
2: if it's an inline line unit um, in a shopping center, we look for a good, strong Daytime anchor, like an upscale grocery store, such as a Trader Joe's or a Whole Foods, or in this area, King's. We look for some good nighttime drivers, uh, such as a video store or a multiplex movie theater. We love co tenants, such as Starbucks or Panera Bread. And the reason we mention those co tenants is because they attract and go after the same level of guest, the same type of guest that comes to Desert Moon. Desert Moon is not a 99-cent uh, taco, here's-my-coupon drive-through type concept. Mm-hmm. We, we've we built our brand based on quality, flavor, a healthful approach. Um, our service time is in the three- or four-minute range, so it isn't something that you could pull up to a drive-through for. So we look for that. 1,800 to 2,200 square foot unit in that community shopping center where we literally tuck ourselves in and we become the local Mexican restaurant for the folks in the community, and then we get involved in a lot of outreach into that community, be it uh, involved in uh, social groups in the community, um, little league efforts, uh, senior efforts. Uh, we, we really go out there and we, we work within the community to establish ourselves, not as simply, you know, a business here to take your money, but as a a business concept who is your neighbor, and, and, and we are part of the community. So we look for very unique and interesting aspects in our locations.
0: That all goes back, Gary, to, like you said, franchisee is, is the key. So besides the you know, the work ethic. I just want to ask you a little bit more about what types of characteristics you look for in a franchisee. I guess you want someone who's comfortable going out to the
2: community and doing all these things you mentioned. Absolutely. We you know I'm a big believer in you you train for skill but you select for qualities or by qualities. And I think individuals who are passionate about people, individuals who are passionate about our mission statement and our brand position. Uh, are the folks that really have the the qualities necessary to run our business and probably many others, but certainly they have the the qualities to run our business the technical aspects we train them at our training center uh, but we can't train someone to have a great smile. we can't train someone to respect employees or to get out into the community and talk about the benefits of of better more healthful eating or getting involved with community groups. Those are qualities that people have. You know, the training, you don't train folks for that. So that's what we look for. Those unique qualities and people that really set them apart. Right. What is the training like, Gary, for new franchisees? We have a very extensive and comprehensive training. It's a total of seven weeks, of which four weeks is at our training center in Danbury, Connecticut, where we teach our franchisees and or their managers the nuts and bolts of the business, the prep how we maintain our quality statement, how we create fresh products for our guests. We look at the counter service. We look at the modified table service. They're trained actually on how to operate the grill and the hot table and and make burritos, although it is not our goal for our franchisees to be the people who are actually making the burritos. But we understand that they need to have uh, a fairly good knowledge of, of the technical aspects of it Uh, And then it's another three weeks um, in in their restaurants when they open, and we get very involved in the management aspects. How do you quantify that business, make sure that, you know, your roadmap, your your strategic plan, your business plan is being followed, and and how you measure up against that. So it's very comprehensive taking in everything from, you know, how we grill our steroid-free and antibiotic-free chicken to how we – create a school lunch program with uh, a local public school where we bring in tacos uh, once a week to the kids. It's
0: great. Interesting, yeah.
2: I mean, it must be a pretty good
0: feeling for the new franchisee going out there knowing they have a product that, you know, I, I think across the board, most people like, and there's always going to be competition, but with your, your, your type of restaurant, they're not like on every corner like a pizzeria, so I'm sure that's a pretty good feeling for someone starting out.
2: Right. Absolutely, and one of you earlier on used the term that Franchising is is like a marriage, and it is to a certain extent. And what I what what I preach and teach uh, to franchisees, not only of Desert Moon but of other brands, when I when I come in contact with, is that franchisors need to really go shoulder to shoulder with their with their franchisees. Franchisors rather need to go shoulder to shoulder uh... every day with their franchisees that that nothing is perfect nothing is easy people often confuse simple with easy um, things can be simple but not easy and that it's to be expected that the franchisees may have uh... difficult challenges or some some fears or doubts or questions and i think the basis of the relationship and how the franchisor communicates with the franchisee on an ongoing basis really determines not only the success of the franchisee, but the success of the franchisor. At the end of the day, the people, my customers, as the the president of Desert Moon, I can tell you my direct customers are not the folks who are buying burritos. My direct customers are the folks who we're awarding franchises to. The franchisees are my customers, so I need to take care of them. I need to understand their needs. I need to fill those needs, and I need to continuously be innovative so that we can pass new ideas, new products, and new services to them. That's what, they, that's what they purchase. That's their expectation.
0: Yeah, I think you've gone about this whole way, you know, in the correct way, Gary, just taking the time and investment to set up Desert Moon the right way, and, and, uh, and now you're ready to really uh, start to, you know, to grow. But taking this time is going to really benefit future franchisees because you've you know, taken all this time to make sure this everything is done right, leaving no stone unturned.
2: We, we believe so. There are enough franchise companies that I've seen come and go where they open up one unit and start selling hundreds of franchises and talk about, hey, we've, you know, we've sold 1,000 franchises this year or some ridiculous number, right. but at the end of the day, you've got to deliver on the service, you've got to support right. the franchisee, because quite honestly, unlike most other sales transactions in franchising, the relationship doesn't end when you sign the franchise contract. That's when the relationship
0: begins.
2: Right. Right.
0: I you know from a financing viewpoint, and lenders we work with, they'd rather see a franchise system with fifty units with no failures than, say, uh, four or five hundred with a ten mm-hmm. or fifteen percent failure rate. Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Is there a typical
1: day uh, for a Desert Moon Franchisee
2: Gary? Um, Well, not being a franchisee, I'm not sure I could speak to that with any great expertise. However, I think in the restaurant business and the people business in general, nothing is typical. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly there are procedures and processes that happen every day from uh, fresh grilling our chicken and our vegetables and our tofu to um, servicing the guests to making sure that – Uh, All of the team members are satisfied in in their needs and, you know, keeping the restaurant clean and uh, marketing. And I think those daily procedures are are the typical piece. But what happens within those categories uh, on any given day are generally new and exciting because you're dealing with people. That's great. What's what's the best way for someone to
1: get more information, Gary, on Desert Moon?
2: On Desert Moon, the, the best way, they can visit uh, DesertMoonGrill.com. So it's www.DesertMoonGrill, and we use an E on the word grill, dot .com, and uh, gain some information from there, uh, and also uh, contact us for some additional information. And if they're interested in franchising in general, Desert Moon or not, they should visit FranchiseMoneyMaker.com.
1: That's fantastic. Well, i got to tell you, you've been an incredible guest, Gary. We're going to have to have you back because I think there's more to talk about.
0: Yeah, it's so and much any, experience. I've had a lot of success, Gary, definitely. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Anytime, you just give me the call. This has been an absolute pleasure. I, I completely appreciate the opportunity uh, to be part of this. Thanks, Gary. You have a great day today.
0: Take care, care, Gary. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to get back after I visit that Howell restaurant.
2: Great, thank you.
0: Enjoy enjoy
1: the rest of your day. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Take care.
1: Great show, huh, Don?
0: Yeah, very. uh, So
1: informative. Well spoken. Very knowledgeable uh,
0: guy. Is uh, really. You know, and I liked his whole approach to how he's building Desert Moon. Right. Because he brought up a good point, and uh, we'd finance some of these, uh, you know, franchise companies that really have a lot of growth, and unfortunately, uh, sometimes people don't make it. But I like his whole strategy and and how he's. You know having that slow, steady growth, making sure everything's done right, and now he's all set to really start to you know grow the brand
1: yeah, I agree, yeah, I mean, you don't want to get too big too fast, you know, and i you know again, sometimes I guess we've seen some franchisers pride themselves as far as like selling a you know a thousand right. units in a year, you know I remember even Wendy's at one time, you know I mean, they were growing so fast. They're getting too big too fast. And what was happening was their franchisees were running into problems, you know. Right. And uh they had to start closing down restaurants. And you don't want that to happen either, you know. Right. So it's uh you know, so you're right. I, I love his approach. Um And when
0: you're doing your due diligence as a an investor, a potential franchisee, I mean these are the things that I would look for. Right. Seeing how uh, how long someone has been working to set up the system. And, you know, when you speak to the other franchisees of the, you know, Desert Moon, I'm sure they'll have great things to say about the company.
1: Right, absolutely. Well, I tell you, it's, it's, um, I'm definitely planning on getting there in the next couple of weeks. You know, it's uh, Connie right. and I love Mexicans, so, uh, you know, if we can uh, get to that Exton uh, location. Uh, because, like, where we are here, you know, in Pennsylvania, we don't have too many. Right. get get restaurants and yet we love it, you know. So he's right. really onto something I think, you know. It makes a lot of sense
0: to I'm expand. talking to my wife about it tonight. We're definitely going. I was serious about that.
1: Well the problem now is aren't you hungry? <laughs> hungry. It's close to lunchtime. You know it is, yeah. It's only eleven o'clock but it's
0: <laughs> I know, we have all these franchises on. I afterwards, right? You, you like, do. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I feel like utilizing the services or going to the restaurant, whatever the case. Exactly, you know,
1: so uh, but another great show, Don, and uh, next week, the great Michael Gerber at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's February 28th, so that is a must-listen-to show. Uh, Definitely.
0: Look forward to it. You and I
1: are looking forward to that, so uh, I guess I'll see you next week, Don.
0: Good. Great job, great Marty. Take Thanks, care. Thanks,
1: Don. Take care. Bye Bye-bye. Bye-bye.